Welcome to Full Metal RPG. I'm Richie Buzzkill. Welcome to an old school edition of the show where it's the two people talking are in the same room. Uh, this is kind of our uh, uh, what I'm going to call uh, salt con salt con after party, which is my me and my friends uh, need another con. Uh, I'm here with uh, my good friend. My good pal, my oldest friend, you know him, Paul. Welcome, Paul. Hey, good to be back. What's up, Zealots? <laughs> yeah, uh, we decided to just like he's waiting for the airplane. And I was like, well, I have this recording equipment here. If you just so kindly like get in my sound booth, just get, get in there. Get, get in there. <laughs> the show with 99% less Zoom or and or Discord audio problems. Right. Um there goes that sponsorship. Eh, I mean, it's not like we were really going to have a whole lot of sponsorship anyways. <laughs> I don't take, I don't take ads. Um, but yeah, we just uh, finished like a long, ad, I mean, I, I'd call it a week of gaming. I'm not calling it a weekend of gaming because we started on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Sunday. Uh, we just uh, dropped a bunch of people off the airport. Uh, after playing some really fantastic games, we didn't play as many as we'd like, but you never do. But we had a good time. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, do yeah. we want to explain to them what this is? Yeah, let, uh, go ahead, Paul. So uh, this is what we call SaltCon. This is the most deeply nerdy naming thing that's ever happened in a long time. Uh, uh, Richie and I's group, we take a group to Gen Con almost every year. Well, the group goes almost every year, but the who who goes fairies and we were driving back to the airport after one gen con and having had a you know blast like it always is exhausted we're talking about how we'd you know kind of like to do this more than once a year but the problem is like the convention schedule for the most part except for arizona game fair mm -hmm. is all front loaded in the summertime so it's all loaded in the summertime and we all have busy lives and doing back-to-back -back cons just really wasn't something that was feasible for us and you add that to me and nolan and a lot of us were would my gen con almost entirely consists of being at games on demand either shout out to games on demand um either running games or playing games and nolan does something very similar so we were in the car riding back and we we're like well what the hell do we need a formal convention for? We we're adults with credit cards. We can rent a hotel room and like, why don't we all just get together and we'll each like run a game over like a long four day weekend and we'll have a good time. And it'll basically be like our own little private games on demand. And thus salt con was born. Now the name from it comes from, we couldn't come up with a name for it. So we were calling it need another con. And that got abbreviated to NA con. And because we're all big fat nerds, we latched on to that being the chemical abbreviation for salt. Nerds. Yes. In case <laughs> there was any doubt, we're big fat nerds. Yeah. Um, and it's evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. We've, we've, we, there's an argument, and this is the deeply nerdy argument as to whether this is the sixth, fifth, or sixth, or seventh 
uh, because depending on what you whether you start counting from zero and they're fucking nerds. Anyways, it I'm is not- the six. Just in case anyone's curious, <laughs> like, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> um, if you see Nolan or Woodfin on the discord, tell them they're wrong and yes. that it's the sixth. Right. Um, we, we It's evolved over the years. We initially started renting hotel rooms and trying to get like boardroom access and stuff like that. But we eventually just were just like playing in a room. So we just the invention of renting houses yep. over the Internet has revolutionized it. So we rent a, a multi bedroom place. And since they they all came to Phoenix this time, I stayed at home. But that was my choice. I could have slept on the couch, you know, old school style. But uh it was a it was a hell of a weekend. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Tyler for coming up with the Airbnb idea. That was a definite improvement to the facilities. Yeah, I'm having a bit of a burrito hangover, but oh. that's 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 fine. That's <laughs> I've eaten so many burritos and chili sauce in the last four days. It's not to be believed. Yeah, but that's you come to Phoenix and you eat tacos and burritos I, all weekend, and I don't I don't. There's no problem with that. I got <laughs> what I asked for. I told you asked me what I wanted to eat when I got here, and I told you delicious Mexican food. Right. Do they speak English there? And I don't want to go there. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> where do you want? I think what I said was, where do you, when you asked me where to go, I was like, take me to the place where they speak the least amount of English. That will be where the good food is. Right. And, and we definitely did that. Um, but this is a, this is a game podcast, not a, a, a Mexican food podcast. We'll do that as a bonus. <laughs> we should do that as a bonus content. Sometimes we could do that as a bonus content. <laughs> I know. I know you guys are, we have a culinarians uh, channel on some of the, our chat. Full stuff. metal kitchen. Full metal kitchen. Uh, that's a completely different. Like I need to get more black lights and, and <laughs> pancake makeup for that. <laughs> but uh, uh, so yeah, so we we got everybody got in, and then uh, Brent Brendan stopped by, true. And, and hung out and met all the crew, and he basically it turned into everybody's like, oh, you should record this as a show. I'm like. No, we're just going to hang out and bullshit about D&D because nobody wants to play right now. Literally had like four hours worth of show there just from that conversation you could add. Yeah. I mean, some of it, if you listen to the show, you've heard it before. So I was like, I would like to just, you know, hang out and bullshit. And uh, that was a good time. It was a really good time. My wife, uh, everybody kind of met my wife and, you know, she doesn't get to travel very often. And we did get to meet the lovely Mrs. Buzzkill. Mrs. Buzzkill came and uh, hang out, hung out and pl- ate more Mexican with us. Mm. Food. Uh, note a theme. <laughs> note a theme. And, and then we, we made, we started uh, actually playing fucking games. Yeah, we, it took us a little, <laughs> it took us a little bit to get wind up for it, but we did actually start doing some role-playing games at our role-playing game convention. Yeah, I think we, we started with making characters for Headspace, which is a game onto itself. Yep. Uh, it's, I, we kind of described it as Sense8, yes. the role-playing game, but it's a little different from that because it's more of a badass simulator than I Sense8. I strongly encourage anybody that's going to play or run that game to watch at least the first episode of sensate it's on netflix it's also written by my favorite television writer joel michael straczynski right uh but if you don't know what that is or you don't have time you don't want to pause the show and go look it up essentially it's a cyberpunk game where everyone has a brain implant that uh it, as a team that they share a mind a headspace Mm-hmm. where they share emotions and what's going on and skills. And the it's one of the first, I think, of the PBTAs that actually used emotions as the stats, I yep. think. It's like an early version of that. So, like, you have, like, the stats of, like, 
grief, fear, rage, ego, and I can't remember the last one. But I, I don't remember either. We mostly leaned on rage. We were a very angry party. <laughs> well, when one of our members who was the character that didn't get picked got basically the like, oh, shit, you got kidnapped and then got blowed up. Like everything we were doing was kind of rage motivated. Yeah. So like, and your emotions are kind of your hit points as you lose control over them. We never actually got yeah, to the end of a well, track. Well, that's so. because we are we are who we are. And that's I think that might be one of the things about the game is you have this like as you're doing things, as you're borrowing skills, like your headspace starts getting cluttered with more and more emotions. Like there's a if you check out the Full Metal RPG Instagram, I've I've uploaded a picture of this uh, board. But essentially, like imagine a board where you have each of the emotions and you have a level of emotion in the headspace. And if you go too much rage, you get in a feedback loop. And that's when, because it's sort of a badass simulator. Yeah, to, you're highly this, competent. Till this point, like there's no, when you roll dice, there's no failure. You're just going to succeed with many consequences if you if you roll shitty well and you don't always have to roll so i think the thing we didn't explain well is you're you're part of this hive mind basically and you are constantly seeing through each other's eyes you're experiencing everything all the pcs are aware of which is great if you have a problem with players that can't separate player knowledge from uh character knowledge because your character knowledge is your player knowledge there is no barrier in this game it's kind of amazing or very little barrier anyway and each character has, was it three or four skill? I think three, it was three. Three, three skills. You have like three skills and like those, you can just basically badass whatever you want to do on those three skills by just advancing the track one. Right. But what you can also do is because my character and Richard's character share space. If I need, you know, if, if I'm like the solo, the, you know, the killing machine for lack of a better word, and he's the, you know, computer programmer. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in here. I need to be able to hack, you do a hack quick the, hack. Hack a Gibson. Yeah. I just go in and I get like I get Richie's, you know, hacker knowledge. Just it's already in my brain. And I just use that. And then you have to roll and then you can screw up. And then, right. well, you can't really screw up. Sorry, well, Jake would yell at me for saying screw up. But. Right. But essentially, as these as you're using these points in this kind of common board, you will get to a point where it's got feedback where like the just things are going to go sideways and you kind of like lose some of your like story resistance story mm -hmm. armor and the game master can do super hard moves like right. legitimately do major harm or kill you or you know whatever I don't well, I don't, I don't think, think he can kill you. I think but, the rule was you can be killed unless you agree to be but killed. But they can do a lot of right. very nasty stuff to you when that happens. And that's one of the one of the problems is we should have been pushing harder and we weren't, but we were doing such a good job of being like this tactical ops team that like was like running all over this uh, Venezuelan city yep. like after the Venezuelan government started killing off our friends. Don't like, forget Nestle. Yeah, and then we all <laughs> And that's another other, sponsorship gone <laughs> that well uh, <laughs> i was not going to take their sponsorship anyways no uh we don't believe in sponsorship here yeah uh except for the patrons patreon.com yes. slash full metal rpg boo, boo, boo. uh but <laughs> uh but we had all all our characters had this motivation against nestle and i kind of wish we had uh maybe pushed in that direction like secretly it was the venezuelan government who was after us but it was secretly nastily behind them the whole time like yep. you know that i think that would have been a great reveal but i we 
you know, we made the characters. It was a full session to make the characters. That's one of the things I, I would yep. say that it's really a session zero, a really long session. And then we played the next day. It's a lot for one shot, a lot for a con game. I, that would be the one critique that I would have of it as a system. It's definitely something I think you want to, if you're going to run it, you need to like plan out at least, you know, three or four games that you're going to run. Yeah, no, for sure. Cause you're, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and it was, it was, um, it would, it would be really great for a longer game. And, uh, it, it just, it, it works really well with the, the kind of getting you in that space where you're, you're sharing everything and it gets rid of the cell phone problem, right? right. It's a modern game that they're, you're all talking at all times. Like the table talk is perfectly like legitimate inside people's heads. Like there's no like dissonance, like, Oh no, no, I don't know that. Right. Yep. There's no information not sharing. Like you, everybody shares information at all times. And I think that's a really cool way of dealing with the entirety of like cyberpunk and some of these other right. uh, settings. Well, and you can do this is again, cause I, I couldn't get uh sensate out of my head the entire time we were playing it, but in that show, the main characters are spread out all over the world. And you could literally play a game with that where you are thousands of all the PCs are thousands of miles away from each other because it's some extent your where your, your character is where any character is any PC is right. So it's a neat game. I mean, I, I do think it suffers that same thing. Like blades in the dark has the exact same problem. You have to front load so much creative and mental effort into getting the game off the ground that, I want to reinvest that over a series of games to, to make it worthwhile, but yeah, it was a great game. I th- I think the front loaded nature means that a one shot is maybe not enough. And that's maybe the downside, but I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I think our characters were all interesting. Yep. I'm not going to necessarily go into the characters for this, but like it was, it was very interesting to do that. And then the game we followed it up with. <laughs> the, the, the highlight for that game for me was uh, there were people shooting missiles at us. And uh, I think it was Kayla rerouted the missiles and her role required her to take uh, two things. And one of them was Massive. it does more damage than you thought and collateral damage. So we may have blown up a residential building. In yeah, Venezuela. we were definitely not the good guys. No, like there was we were we were being wrong. We had been wronged and we were being hunted. But we definitely overreacted. We like were only this, good in the definition of the bad guy fighting. The bad guy is the good guy. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. No, we were we were very bad people. Yes. And yeah, no, that was fun. It was yep. fun. Yep. So what do we want to talk about next? Right? Uh, well, I think it's really uh, uh, mirrored this. So we go from a game and, and this was there, there was a game in between this. But mm-hmm. like we go from a game where we're all sharing a headspace as different individuals to a game where we're all aspects of one person's uh, uh, personality as they are going through this horrible experience. And that's Bluebeard's Bride. Yep. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. This was the game of the weekend for me. Spoiler alert. Uh, So, uh, Paul, go ahead and... uh, summarize okay so bluebeard's bride is a game that i honestly i wasn't sure i could play and i i'm now to the place where not only i really enjoyed playing it and i i might even consider running it at this point it it's a game of feminist horror and how to describe this um so each of the 
each of the players plays an aspect of this woman called the bride. She doesn't have a name beyond the bride and she marries the, it's set basically in like, if you think beauty and the beast, like it's that, you know, generic kind of France, maybe. Yeah. Europe. Well, it's a French, it's a French fairy tale or whatever folk tale, whatever you going to call it. Um, and he, she marries this guy named Bluebeard who has, this like dark history of like everyone has these rumors. He may have that, had a few wives, but, he may have had a, but that's only rumors. He they has a little know. Henry the eighth situation where his wives just go missing and are no longer around. And he finds a new bride. Uh, he immediately after the wedding runs off, tells her don't go into this locked room and you are going around exploring his haunted castle basically. And you go into rooms and each room there is, it's basically haunted by one of his dead wives and every room represents, how do I want to put this? Uh, it, it represents basically something that women have to deal with well, to try to be taken seriously. Well, it's typically it's some former bride is kind of thematically tied to this room. Yes. Ha- and these brides had certain kinds of trauma, like, uh, like chi- child, uh, miscarriage. Fertility. fertility. By the way, this game has all the yeah, trigger like, warnings. Literally, like, if you, you listed all of the trigger warnings, like it would just, you just slap it right on yes, there. Right. Like, because it is, uh, and, and I said this somewhat is, I kind of felt like maybe it would be like, uh, trauma tourism a little bit, yeah. but it, I don't, it didn't feel like that at all because we were aspects like we were all aspects of one person and she, the bride, we never described the bride. We're only not even describing our, well, we described her. She just never had a name, right? Never had a name. Well, yeah. Part of the creating the characters as you describe, like what is their hair? What is their mm-hmm. mouth? What is, what is certain aspects of their, their, their frame or whatever. You're using, and I'm like, I'm playing an aspect of the the bride called the witch. Right. I was the mother. Mother. And then there's the fatale and the virgin and the animus. Animus. Yep. And we're playing different parts of this person. And we're, as we're going from uh, these rooms and discovering, like telling truth, like looking at these rooms. And then the only way to get out of this room is either to like, basically uh kind of like try to escape or decide a truth about bluebeard right so you basically decide whether or not the trauma that this past wife inflicted basically was her fault or bluebeard's well bluebeard's fault or someone else's fault anyway yeah and again the whole thing is kind of a feminist critique of everything of everything (laughs) it's it this has unbelievable lefts layers to the critique that this game gives. But like one of them is if you decide that it was Bluebeard's fault, you take trauma from that. You essentially hurt yourself by putting it on the man in the story and realizing that they're not who you should be with. But if you blame the bride, basically (laughs) it reduces a level of trauma for you. yeah, we, I, I almost think you could have Kayla on here to talk about this well, for an entire episode. Yeah, and, and if you've wa- watched or listened to the last episode, 
Kayla ran this for us and she did an amazing job. Absolutely amazing. And like we were talking about maybe she's going to run games on demand at Gen Con and hopefully mm-hmm. we can we can get her to do that but like uh I I originally was also hesitant mm-hmm. to to run this because I own it but also even to play it because of this weighty heady territory that it was in and now that I have played it like I feel like while I'm not the perfect person to to run this, I think I could do a good enough job with the right people, the right group that I feel comfortable exploring, you know, right. for them to explore these themes to to run this game. And I think and it, this is something that Mark D.S. Truman and a lot of the Magpie talk about is like Magpie games talk about like, yeah, no, you should run these games that are not you centric they're not your experiences even if you do it slightly wrong is you're going to find interesting things and truths about these cultures and 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 but like i said it didn't feel like trauma tourism and that was that's a big concern i think for this kind of game right and like part of the problem is is you know i am a white cisgendered male that shit lord well, you know, that's debatable, but probably. Um, and and this is dealing with trauma that is by and large at like w- at least one removed from me. And I, what I will say about it is it is a truly incredible game. Like I said, it was the game of the weekend for me. Um you you need all the safety tools for this. And if you have people that are not going to take it seriously and not going to respect what's going on with it, I, I don't think they have any business playing with playing. Right. It. But I, I think anybody that's going to select to do this and, and stays after the explanation, if they're not just being trolls, which then you kick them out. Right. It, but never, like, never underestimate the ability of a chud to chud. Right. But like, I think there's definitely some like tools in this game of, of like just sheer right. description that would make even the chuds go, Oh shit. Like I'm, right? I'm I, I said this to Kayla and I'm, I'm still searching for a way to make, to say this, it sounds less creepy, but this is the first game that I've ever seen where I would like, I'm not really into watching actual plays, but like I would watch an actual play of like Kayla running this for a table of women. Like, right. I, uh, the way I first described it accidentally creepily is I would like just quietly sit in a corner and watch a table of women play this. And I still stand oh, by you, it. I you, you found a new thing you like, Paul. Huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's amazing. Like it truly is other than other than maybe dread. It is the best game I've ever played for capturing what it's trying to capture. Right. And I, I think that's that's a fantastic way to kind of wrap it up and and, and uh, segue on to the it's almost like you've done a podcast with me before. It's strange. Uh, but we did. We played uh, we played. Uh, you should totally try more. Uh, 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 Bluebeard's Bride. Bluebeard's Bride. Spoiler alert. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Great game. Uh, but and if you can get Kayla to run it for you, get Kayla to run it for right. you. Uh, you know, she has a business. You can pay her. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but we played one of our group's favorite games. We played Dread. Yep. Uh, before we, as a <laughs> as a slight palate cleanser between Headspace and Bluebeard's Bride. Yeah, we did a lot of dark stuff this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and 
Dread, if you don't know, and I, bab- I should babble on it enough about it, but it's essentially it's a horror game that uses the Jenga Tower as a way of increasing the anxiety and tension about what's going on in the scene. And it does it so that it's a one trick pony that does it so well that you do not need any other tricks. If you're looking to do a one shot horror game, that is the game that I would run every time I would reach for that for a one shot horror game every time. And it is also the game that every time I think about it, it makes me angry that I did not think of this game because it's so simple. It it is it's just one of those games where you're like, I should have thought of this and it's brilliant. I shout out to all the creators that were involved in making it. It is brilliant. I will say that the one downside, I love the mechanics in the end playing, but the one downside is the making your own, uh, own uh, questionnaires is kind of like, it's a, it's a bit of overhead before the game as the game masters, you have to write these questionnaires or find some other module or something for this to, because essentially when you're creating character, because you have no stats, there's no stats right. in this no game. No stats. You do have a back, kind of a background system, kind of like uh, like you were a farmer. So oh, clearly I'm going to make you less pull less from the tower if it has something to do with farm related things, right? So, so quick explanation of Dread. The way it works is the players are all given a character sheet. Traditionally, the character sheet has basically a trope on the top of it. You're the jock, the scientist, the prom queen, the I'm, I'm having high school things in mind. Cause ours was a high school, but it could be whatever, you know it, but think of it like a trope title. And then there are traditionally 13 questions that the GM puts together. Um, they are very often cut shorter than that. Just cause that's a lot of, a lot of the work as you were saying, Richie <laughs> was, is doing the, the questions And those really establish your character and what you can do. And if it's something, if you're not under stress and it's something your character can do, you just do it. There's no rolling. There's no nothing. If you're under stress or it's something your character can't do, you have to pull one or more blocks from a Jenga tower. So, yeah. So, and you can refuse to pull. And if you refuse to pull, the DM can make essentially a hard move on you but he can't kill you. He can break your leg. He can kill your loved ones. He can, you know, put you in a bad spot. They can do anything he wants to you except kill you. The only way you die in dread is by knocking the tower over. And even you can do it as a heroic stand kind of thing. Like, Oh, well, I really think that this would be an amazing way to go out and I'm going to knock it over. Now you can also knock it over and not die right away. So you can become kind of like a walking dead. So the game master can kill you in a, Right. Uh, uh, thematically appropriate time for the story, right? So I think that that's enough flexibility to make it interesting and, yeah. and robust to play. Um, the, the questionnaires kind of like help you link the characters together and give them some reason to like care for each other or at least be uh, a familiar with each other while you're in this story of horror and dread. <laughs> well, the other thing it does for you is as the GM, you can quickly customize a dread game to your players. So if you're, you know, uh, it depends on your scenario, but say you're going to your grandma, your your grandma died and you're going to her house and it's going to be a haunted house game. One of the questions can be is like, what sin, you know, yes. Like what sin is like, you know, invokes a memory of your grandmother and you say, you know, the smell of lilacs or whatever. Well, now when you're the GM, as you're mentally preparing, you have, you know, 
the scientists sent in your notes when they go into this room and you don't have to come up with what grandma's scent is. You just yank it from their thing and they walk in the room and it's like, you smell the strong scent of lilac and now it's getting stronger and stronger. Right. And, you know, and then now the other character smells gooseberry pie because that's their thing. And right. Or, or it'll, you'll ask like, what is it? What is a night reoccurring nightmare you have about water? Right. Right. And, and the, 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 the story will involve water. So if you come into a place where you're going to have like some sort of nightmarish thing happen, you kind of already have, at least a seed to start with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just mean you have to follow it. You just like use that as like inspiration. The yep. players are giving you a lot of inspiration right. with the questionnaires. And I, I do like that, but I feel like I, when I'm running, I'm generally doing like three to five questions. Yep. That's probably where I'm at. Not 13. If I was going to do like a long-term uh, like, a, and you can, you can not kill characters when the tower falls over. That's might be when you do terrible things to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can adjust the like lethality, but we play it like generally as one shot. So, oh, well you died yeah. like, oops. Uh, okay. Enjoy yeah. watching, uh, characters pull from the tower after rebuilding the tower. Yeah. If you, you knock over the tower, you're not necessarily killed, but you're written out of play. Right. Um, I you I will say I, I run it a lot at Gen Con. I'm not for games on demand. Again, second games on demand. Shout out. We need like a little bell every time. Yeah, Paul I'm not games doing on that. Demand. But sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going this year. But it um, I run it a lot for games on demand, and I usually do seven with it. Right. The last one is always what is your name, so it's really six. Yeah. You, um. But it, it's a great game. I I can't say enough about it. It also has the best like cover design ever yes it, it, it's literally a bloody hand I'm, I'm basically doing an instagram series so if you check out the instagram you can see right but basically the the book has a bloody hand print on it and when you grab the book with your left hand yeah. it matches the bloody hand print on the book that wraps around the spine like the fingers are on the back and the thumbs on the front like it's legitimately one of the coolest yeah. objects I've ever seen. It doesn't even have like the, the creator's names on the front of it. It's no, like it all white with the black, like typewriter text font, of dread yeah. and it's like crimson red handprint. It's yeah, great. It's, it's, it's a great game. Totally check it out. Even if you're a little hesitant, like why would I play with a Jenga tower? Like, so everybody's got one of those stupid things or can get one for like under 10 bucks. And yeah, I think you can get the PDF for really cheap. Just give it a go. Like, yep it's worth trying at least once you go, Oh shit, this does exactly what I've, I've always wanted this alien alien to feel like alien without like spending a lot of time of building colonial right. Marines, right. Or whatever space truckers. Right? I, I try to run it live every year. Obviously you can't run it online or if you have a way of doing it, let me know. But I, beyond what I can think of, you, you can't, um, but I try to run it live uh, every year around Halloween for a live group. Um, yeah, it's not the same online, but you could do it with Tabletop Simulator. But I wouldn't necessarily do it that way. But anyway. And, and the brilliance of it is, sorry, because we never really talked about this, but the brilliance of it is, and the reason why you use the Jenga Tower is, if you've ever played Jenga, as the tower starts getting more and more rickety, it start you start getting nervous about it. You start getting this tense anxiousness about the tower collapsing and, and there's it adds to that because you have a story that's making you anxious in the right. first place it's it's starting to verge you on it and like a lot of horror games when you play it's like haha i got my arm chopped off isn't that funny like 
no, no, this is like, oh shit, I'm about to lose my arm or some other terrible thing. And then I got to pull this thing. And then you get this like nervous, nervous nature of the tower swaying as you're touching it. Like, and all of that tension, all that tension from the Jenga game gets diverted into the fiction. It's almost magical how it works, Yes, but it, yes, again, of, it is the game mechanic I wish I had thought of first, but I did not. And I highly encourage everybody to go out and check it out. Right. And then the last game we played was was popping uh, Paul's OSR cherry. That's right. With a, I ran a game of Morphborg. I'm no longer an OSR virgin, people. Uh, and I, I kind of want to, I mean, my the audience knows what Morphborg is, but it's a doom metal uh, fantasy role-playing game. Uh, check it out. Anyway, you, you already know. But I want to hear Paul's uh, a description of this and how this went because I, of course, as the game master, went, Oh, I had fun, but also I was sort of like winging it a little bit. So, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I think we were three, what are they called? The barbarians, F- fanged berserkers. Yeah, we were all fanged berserkers. Well, so I roll, so I went, I'm the laziest of Markboard GMs. I went to Dungeon, which is a site where it will just spit out basically a keyword dungeon random ge- dungeon generation. And then I went to scum birther, which is another site that just said uh, you click on the site and you get a smorkboard character. And then that uh, you just refresh and get another one. So I just like, I think I rejected the first character and then I printed the next eight refreshes off of it. And that's exactly what I did. I did not try and like go, well, I need uh, uh, that all the character types represented. Like, no, so I we had three fanged berserkers. Yep. We had a, a heretical priest. Uh, that was the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I I sort of want to talk a little bit about my failings with a char- a person that was not familiar with. Uh, I don't think you had any failings, Richard. Well, You're being I mean, too hard on yourself. I, I guess I am. But we had another. We had a guest in. They had dropped into Bluebeard's Bride. I did not. I did not know this person. It was a guest that somebody came in. And they dropped in Blue Rose Bride, and they did pretty well. They, they did, did great on. They me. did great. Um, By the way, that's their first role playing experience, and that's a that's a deep, heavy game that to be your is first. So role-playing. utterly mind blowing to me that someone did not tell me that till much later. And I yeah. was like, "What the shit?" She doesn't understand that she walked in out of high school and started doing like whatever you know, right. <laughs> grad school level math without taking any of like the undergrad level math. Right. Exactly. It was like going to a, a, a dissertation on feminist uh, theory yeah. without taking any feminism 101. Era, it'd be like, it'd be like know, somebody picking up the studies. Silmarillion as their first introduction to Tolkien and then being worried about like reading the Hobbit. <laughs> right. And, and then she, we sat down to play Morkborg because I, we had a couple other games kind of like waiting in the wings. And we just decided there was a couple people, Paul and, yep. and Woodfin shout out Woodfin. Uh, that wanted to play it. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to run it. So I get out all my stuff. I, you know, uh, and we, we distribute the characters and she just kind of froze up a little bit and didn't quite get what I was describing or what was going on. And I, I, I guess it, it was my regret because I should have like started with a small snippet of, cause I didn't know, I guess at the time is, uh, I should have started with the, this is what uh, uh, heroic fantasy role-playing is about. You're a peasant that ha- that has picked up the sword to get out of being a peasant because a peasant is being so terrible where dying in a dungeon sounds better than being a peasant. 
is essentially, I think, the thing I should have said that might have helped turn it, but it probably wouldn't have, to be honest. But uh, anyway, uh, there was another character that kind of bowed out, which is fine. Uh, I believe people should be able to come and go as a table or right. whatever they want. It's just, it was just something that like bled onto me is like, oh man, I really wish I could have figured that out. And I didn't. So I mean, we, mm. we, we can talk to her about it, but I don't, I don't think you need to take that on yourself. I think it just wasn't one. I think it wasn't particularly her genre. I don't think she was right. Frankly feeling very I mean, well. Like it. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's fine. Uh, but I think we had a good time. I had a I great mean, time with it. Yeah. So they were, um, they were all basically and the dungeon gives me a reason for reason for them to go to the dungeon. So their reason was they have been all sentenced to death unless they can bring a glass figure back to the judge. Mm-hmm. So they were, that's what the prompt I got. And then in the dungeon, it said specifically, there's a room with wyverns in it. Like there's a very, uh, like a nut, this a, a room with ceilings covered in nets with wyverns in the nets mm-hmm. that are wyvern spawn. So like okay, so I'm like okay, so the obviously this is like and it's a church, the Church of Lost Hope, and I was like okay, so they worshipped wyverns. So wyverns in 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 Morkborg are really powerful. Like they're really powerful. They don't have really dragons. These are kind of like their equivalent of dragons. I was like did not oh. know that. Yeah, they're like, well, real wyverns are like twenty five hit points. Ouch! And like have like a like a d d eight armor or something like that. And Ouch! They, yeah, they're ridiculous. So I was like, no, I'm gonna use these wyvern spawn that are kind of. I I found another monster and I reskinned it. They basically like drop down, and the, their whole way of killing you was to drop out of the ceiling. And like smother you and like gnaw, gnaw on you, basically. And they were just like these lizardy, giant wing, you know. But anyway, so I decided that that they they worshipped wyverns, and it was a wyvern statue that you were going to get. Yep. So that's, and I'm basically getting like a location, a couple other things. Like it's it's really like it's almost an improv level dungeon, and I, that's why I really liked it. Is like okay, just give me enough to inspire me to like describe a thing, right? The, the walls are all made of bone and flesh. The rooms move around the dungeon. Yep. The, the, there's a exile troll King that lives in the dungeon that, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's a, it's a inactive church. Like mm-hmm. if it was an active church, then be like, Oh, there's a whole cult there. Like figure right. it out. Like, so you guys uh, get the, the, the executioner, like, takes you in chains to the edge of the woods and then, and set set you free and says the Valley of lost hope is that way. Right. So we were mostly the, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the fanged fanged berserkers, fanged berserkers. So, you know, we, uh, we ended up playing that a lot for comedy and I, I enjoyed it a lot. We played them dumb and violent and that's always a good time. The other two had dogs that were growly and bitey who almost kind of stole the show actually. Right. They, they were actually more combat effective than the player characters. So, so. um, (laughs) a couple things I really liked about it. One, like we just came out earlier, it's nice playing fantasy where I don't 
know the world. Like just there, you're like wyverns are dragons. I was like, holy shit. I didn't know that. Like, yeah, (laughs) these were not full wyverns. They were wyvern spawn. And also wyverns are because this is the two world of the two headed basilisk as God. Like it's, it gives you like, it gives you a lot of kind of prompts and flavor in these randomly generated characters but it doesn't really tell you a whole lot about the world. Like a lot of fantasy games, when they generate, you hand somebody a character, you hand them kind of a backstory. Like this kind of gives you some information, but it kind of like lets you make your own yeah. up. And and there's a lot of, there's backstory in the book, but I was like, it's not necessary for anything you do other than to know that the world is ending. What do you do to do about yeah. it? Like, so, but it was nice. Like, Cause there is this thing about no matter how good you are about keeping your player knowledge separate from your character knowledge, there's some level of not being able to do that. That is just impossible. Like you're, if you run five E D and D, you know what a goblin is. And like it's relatives. If you see a goblin and a Dracolich, you know, which one of these things is more likely to kill you. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was kind of nice not knowing that like, and it, like we did the, the first fight we did was with the troll King. Right. Um, I don't know if that was reskinned or something. No, I still no, don't know if it was reskinned uh, or something. I think standard. it might've been something else, but it was, it was pretty, cr- I, I think I might've skinned something else, but I basically, it was like, I originally was going to have him have a, a giant Warhammer, but then I decided like, so where the dungeon started was supposed to be just a door in the middle of a certain amount of trees, Mm -hmm. seven trees or whatever it was. And I had decided that the trees had all been, had slashes in them because the, the, the like Lord, just the troll Lord, as he went out to find food would just like be mad about having to get out of the dungeon every time and ax these trees. Mm -hmm. Right. So they had these, it was trying to like bring in that, like announce future badness. Yeah, no, you did a good job with that. uh, Like, there's something in here that's taking fucking chunks out of trees, yeah. right? And that was that was something I was trying to get, and it, I think it's set everybody like aback, yeah. Because also, it w- I I rolled up uh because uh, one of the things about Morkborg is you have this like world-ending prophecies that go that once seven of them come true, the world ends, and you you start the game. You're supposed to roll a die at the beginning of the game. To, and if it's a one, one of the prophecies comes true. And you can choose the length of the game by what die type you choose to roll. And, and so I decided I'm just going to have one of these come true because I think it adds interesting spice. Yep. So it's like the blistering hot middle of the summer drought. Like everything is dying in this forest to get to this valley. And then I'm like, no. There's uh, just a hailstorm and a winter storm just blasts everything. Yeah, you didn't tell me it was set in Indiana, where it can go from blazing heat to two feet of right. snow. In, it would over, be in yeah, minute. May in Indiana. You get the shout out Hoosiers. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I liked like one of the things I like like in that troll fight was like I remember and I've I've heard as people have talked about OSR on various uh, both in the Discord and on various shows about like the dangerousness of fighting and like in ours, you know, we talked about this after the game like, it was kind of designed as like, 
we are going to go do this. Like right. the, it was a little, it was a little railroady because it's a one shot, but, but I was like, like, and you, and you did a great job of describing like the ax and like creating that sense of danger and all that. And I was like, just out of curiosity, like how much damage after we had killed the troll King, like how much damage does it do? And I realized like, Okay, that would have like one shot. Like I think I might have been able to take one yeah, hit. You, you, you won the lottery with your character. Well, kind of. I had, I had, I think bad stats. Well, but but I had like I won the I won the stats. armor and hit point lottery for sure. Yeah, everybody has bad stats when you start in Warcraft. I had like, like it's almost crazy. Yeah, so. yeah, I sort of I like looked at the sheet and I was like I had like plate mail as Vihander and like ten hit points. I'm like I'm pretty sure this is good. It's you like, were a badass. <laughs> yeah. Like that's straight up like the best character in the lot. Yeah. Like, out there, there are a bunch of people that play this all the time. We're like, yes, you were. Yes, you were. Meanwhile, I'm rolling around, like, right. not even knowing. But, like, uh, the the Troll King was swinging a D10 yep. axe. Like, yep. it was a straight-up giant axe that was doing a D10. So if he had maxed out... He could have killed any of us. He could have ki- put you at zero right away. Yeah. And zero is broken, not dead. And if you go negative, you're dead in Workboard. There's no, like, death saves or anything like that. You just die. So... Um, yeah, all the other characters had like one, two, three, four hit yeah. points. It, you know, like well, and I remember uh, <laughs> Jake had the priest, the heretical priest. Yeah. I think I got that yeah, right. Yeah, right. Heretical yeah. hermit or whatever. Heretical priest. Yeah. yeah, and I remember he he didn't even take like a lot of damage. It was like I think he took two. like two hit points from something. He's like, oh yeah, he was trying to. Because, he because, was telekinesising the uh, the axe and it backfired on him. And right, he, because. In the the kind of magic that's in this game, you uh you have a scroll. Everybody that casts magic basically casts it from a scroll. So anybody can cast magic, but it's like you kind of specialize. You get it at the beginning of the game. And when you roll, if you fumble that roll, you take damage. And which actually, you you're supposed to actually be dizzy for like an hour after that, which means you're pretty much useless after you have a backfire. So it's like really dangerous to cast magic, which and Morkborg, I think, can be described as high magic and high grit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what it's, where it's supposed to be. So I had like there was a mirror that you walk through that showed you being really ugly. But that was but the dungeon kind of providing growly. They look cute. Right. Because they think that's ugly. Yep. Right. Because uh, dogs. You know, the uglier the dog, the more of an asshole. Gorehounds, because I eat dogs, not gorehounds. Right. Gore, gorehounds, right. Yeah. Uh, but I was trying to, like, upplay some of the magic yeah. in the world. That was awesome. Uh, but but I remember he took, like, two hit points, and he's like, I'm out of here. Peace. Right, because like, he had four hit points, right. which is actually pretty good for a starting workbook character. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, shit, I'm going to just bugger off. Like, yeah. you guys finish this off, and then I'll come back. Like, yeah, it really <laughs> definitely, like... And it's funny because we we were having like a a side conversation. I think that was when Brendan was there about basically we were bitching about 5e if we're perfectly honest. I mean, that was most of the conversation for most of the weekend. (laughs) But like that is one of not to like redo that entire conversation. But like one of my criticism of 5e's is I maintain it's almost impossible to kill any individual character in 5e. You got to try pretty hard. You can TPK or you can (laughs) it's either TPK or nothing as far as deaths go. And I don't know, maybe that's a feature, not a bug, but it definitely is a thing, or I think it's a thing anyway. And like, it became abundantly clear that that is not Morkmore. No, <laughs> like, no, not at all. Like, your life is very fragile, and you are insane for doing this. Yeah. Um. So I really like that. That was like very refreshing after 
modern F20 games. Um, I think I would like, if I were on the other side of the screen, the fact that I don't have to roll anything and it's just... Yeah, it, it, and that I like, and and somebody was uh, Tyler is really a big fan of Five E's. Run it for years and years. Uh, what if, up, Tyler? What up, Tyler? If you listen to this, please listen to this. Anyways, <laughs> uh, um, his wife was on it like one or two right. episodes I'm ago. Hoping I hope he, he listened to last episode. Anyways, uh, he was like, "Oh, well, yeah, that would be like it takes away it, like." It takes away. I was like, no, the monsters actually have a less chance of hitting you because you have to fail a roll and then fail a defense roll, right? To like get hit by a monster. But every time you get hit, you might fucking die. <laughs> right, you might die. Like, so it's really dangerous. But you actually kind of like, and because I'm not hitting you with like, if I've been hitting you every turn with the monster, like you would have been dead. Yeah, like straight up. But. You felt like you were in more danger because right. you had so few hit points. Even as you level, you have pretty low hit points, but you can still get fucking bashed. Well, right? also, there's no safety net. Like, right. in 2E, like, okay, no, oh, no, I'm at zero. Now I have to fail, like, three death save. I mean, at most, I have to fail two. Like, And, and you may or may not have anybody that can heal. Like, I don't need all. somebody to heal. Like, I just need somebody to keep me from dying and drag my ass back to town. Right. Like, and that's why I say it's impossible, to, almost impossible to kill a 5e, one 5e character. Like, right. you can TPK, but you can't kill one of them, or it's very hard. Right. So that's kind of like, they they proceeded to find that the dungeon was rearranging itself. The the Wyvern thing fight was fun because they were on our face. And yes, I was attacking a thing, attacked in my face with a Swihander. Yeah, that was he, great. Yeah, it was wrapped around him, and he was like trying to pull a Swihander through the thing. I, and it was. <laughs> I may have rolled a one on it. I was very glad I had an omen for that because yeah. that was going to be. Although I kind of wish I hadn't used but see, it because the, omen, the omens are the safety net. Yeah. in Morkborg because it lets you re-roll or lets you max out damage or it's it's basically this kind of like once or twice a game because you can really only get. I think you're supposed to get them back at the end, every session. Maybe mm -hmm. you can re-roll to get more omens, mm -hmm. uh, but it's really you're only going to get maybe max like four omens or whatever, which is like that's kind of like god mode, really. But how do you get them back? Like once you, you use you them, just how do you regenerate? Re you just re-roll at the beginning of the session. Oh, really? So there's a D type next to the the omen. Yeah, I saw that. You just roll that die at the beginning of the session. Oh, okay. and it's either It depends on the game master, how they want to run it. Because I think there's an option or a way they might describe where it's like, no, every day you can recharge your omens. Like in-game every day you do. But I prefer like the beginning of the session. That's a good dial. Yeah, it, you could do it either way to like, depending on how gritty you want it to be. Uh, I think omens are that safety net. And we, we had on the full metal RPG discord, they were having people like people were kind of talking about omens, like whether it, they were too powerful or whatever. It was like, and I, I think some of them hit it just right. It's like, no, there, there's no safety net, but this, like, that's the only thing you have. And it's barely there. Right. Right. Can you negate damage with that? Like uh, as rules is written? Yes. Yes, there is some. Uh, I, I'd have to look it up, but yes, there is. There's a way of negating damage with. Sorry, it. not to put you on the spot. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, because I like that. I, I wrote it down for a reason. Because <laughs> the one criticism of it, which is the criticism I knew I would have from just listening to people talk about OSR, is I I like attaching to a character and like getting that character and developing it and like the trick. And I I say this acknowledging that just not 
10 minutes earlier, I said, one of the things I liked about this is how, you know, Hobbesian, how nasty, brutish and short life is in this game, as opposed to other fantasy games. The, the flip side of that is, is like, I would see what would be really fucking annoying if you like kind of develop this character and put the time in developing the character. And then like the die, the dice go badly for you in some random fight and you just die in a ditch on the side of the road. Right. Right. And, and that's kind of the style of, of the game is just this, like, I mean, yes. I mean, I got, we were, when we were playing the, uh, the, the March swap, uh, Mark West March's style Morkborg on the with all the on the on the Discord last summer. I mean, like my character had like almost no hit points, and then just surviving something with when you're that weak and you survive and you start getting better and better. Yeah, like I was attached, but like also like I would have. I feel like at least for me, I would have understood if my character got just ganked. Sure. Right. And I can understand like people that get attached to something and want to keep telling stories with the character. But like to me, getting ganked is part of this. This world is dying. Like right. no one's going to live beyond a certain time period. Right. So there's no like happily ever after in this game. Like the world is going to end. And uh, that combined with to me, once you understand that that's the way the world is finding another piece of scum that you're going to raise up is like, it's just sort of like this this cycle. You just keep doing it. And, and that's part of the fun. And like, it's not a game that's supposed to be taken seriously. Right. Like if this was like vampire, the masquerade or some other game where you're like really taking it seriously and you're like long ongoing story arcs. And there's a way to like live a couple thousand more years, like Mm -hmm. having a character that you've played for years and you die, like is a big deal TM, but like, well, I guess my thing would be is it's not that the character dies. Like I like even in D and D, like I don't like hell, I've had characters in D and D where I'm like, you know, usually Dan, but you know, GM I'm kinda tired of the, I, I want to give this character a big hurrah out. Yeah. Like let's like, you know let's give her a good send off or whatever. Yeah. And like they die heroically. Or like, you know, you're fighting like the recurring nemesis and your character ends up dying on that. Even if the party doesn't defeat him, at least like, but what's unsatisfying to me in D and D I'm going to put it back in D and D terms is like, you know, I don't know. You have like a 10th level character and your DM has some like homebrew rule where if they roll three twenties in a row, you die automatically Yeah, and you're walking along and like, you know, I don't know. Some like zombie rat comes up rolls three twenties and your heroic character has died and gone forever. Right. But I think it fits the milieu of the game. It does. Right. And, and I can understand not that not being someone's thing. And because it, it, it definitely is a somewhat of acquired taste, I think. But I also think that more people need to try it to see if it's their thing. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I liked it better than I thought I would, to be honest right. with you. Um, you know, like we talked about a little, like the, the 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 nihilistic like apocalypse world is not like super in my wheelhouse i don't sure. hate it but it's not right. like it's not the sweet spot for genre gaming sure, for me sure. but i liked it i'd play more of it right and and like i've i kind of wanted to do and this is what we were trying to do with that salt uh, west marches game was kind of have like some place that there were characters that were like 
recurring oppressive characters that mm-hmm. you could like actually have some sort of interaction with because that's the other part of this is realistically you could play Morkborg and never go to a town and just like do dungeon crawl after dungeon crawl and have a shit ton of fun right but like and that's that's something that you and I think I agree on is like I would like to have like a hub place that I'm going here and back to and I'm dealing with like the the judge the terrible pancake makeup judge who will refuse to do you know help you in any way but demands all the things in the world and the the aristocracy and the the merchants and all this stuff to kind of like bring the world to life in this like just kind of like the real world there's a bunch of people that are going to ignore that the fact that the world is ending Right. right even though it's the major religion is saying no 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 for real this is ending also there's a bunch of shit happening like winter comes in the middle of summer right? and and also you can establish the uh the kingdom of bitonia right or because yeah. bitey has progressive tax policy <laughs> yeah the the dog got kind of a backstory during yep. play uh yep if we kept doing that that dog was going to be a pc someday it definitely was going to happen <laughs> right um but i think i think everybody had a lot of fun Yep. Uh, we, we had a little, uh, and because it was in person, we, you know, I had a little bit of music in the background because yep. normally I don't want to play music on online game, but we had nope. that in the background. I think it ha- added to the texture of the mm-hmm. game and, uh, like I love running Morkborg. I love the fact that like, I'm basically just kind of sitting here arbitrating and judging and, you know, general fuckery while you guys, when you attack something, have an opportunity you're rolling all the dice if the dice i'm not being the cheaty gm like the dice are and i think that's one of the things that part of the contract of the game is the gm is not trying to save anybody or 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 kill anybody right the the system the dice are doing that right because in this kind of game the osr tends to be like there's a lot of rolling behind the chart and and depending on how adversarial the gm type is you may be, you know, getting bulldozed, right? Mm-hmm. Just because they want to. Um, where the the system is very much like they're rolling all the dice, and if it goes bad, it goes bad. Like, and I like that in some ways. If I was trying to tell something more serious or a longer term, maybe I do want some more of that control on my side, so I can kind of mitigate some of that. But like, in the world of Morkborg, it's nasty, brutal, and short. And I'm okay with that. So, sorry, just a rules question for you. Like, how does the GM attack a pacifist? Because, like, the rules as we played it, the player has to engage in violence in order to receive violence. So I assume there's a way for, uh, like, I, for I mean, a DM to make a hard move without the player initiating combat. I mean, I would probably do kind of like what uh, I'm... And that's, that's, a, that's a legitimate question. I've never come up come across it yet because that's not how player p- players generally right. come up with things when you have a Zweihander shaped key <laughs> everything is a, but yeah. like yo there were environmental damage right there was like uh you know the fatigue and other things that were happening like sure if and if you're not engaging like all your friends die and you run away that's sort of a Borkborg story anyways right, right. but even if, like if you can't run away you're dead like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fade to black, right? Gotcha. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not necessarily if somebody's not gonna interface with the system, I'm gonna go ahead and go, okay, well they're 
unless you can describe to me how you're getting out of here and starting to do tests on how to get out here, I'm just going to fade to black. That character is dead. Well, I mean, I use the example of pacifism. You know, right. Well, right. And I use this sure as pure premise denial, but I, I can think of a lot of examples short of just completely denying the premise. Right. But like, like, like somebody comes up to you in the bar and tries to stab you in the back and you're just sitting there at the bar. Like, what do you do with that? Right. Well, you're going to roll a defense roll, right? If your defense roll fails, then you're going to, then you're going to get set. Okay. Right. So you can call for a defense role as a GM, even if you're yeah, not. Yeah, it, it, typically I don't like to do that unless unless somebody's engaging, right? Is is because sure. it's so brutal? Like I could just I could just I could just roll over you. Yeah, because right? I mean I think I was the only player that could. If you did, like even on a die four, I think I was the only player that could eat a die. There's a couple of them I think you killed outright because I think they had three hit points. Well, uh, well they they were at zero. Like they took just enough to oh yeah and then jake's character had a two percent chance of dying per oh day. yeah i forgot about that and, and, and it was a very i was like okay and it's seven days later and you're before the judge who you're gonna you they smashed the figuration figurine on the judge's desk is the last thing but he's like two percent chance of dying per day and he rolled through all of it and the last roll he rolled two percent yep. and died before yep. he could get back to the judge i thought that was the most yep. hilarious thing uh Anyway, uh, but we gotta we gotta get you to the airport. Yep, I got. Otherwise, I'm living in Arizona. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, not not so bad. Uh, <laughs> well, my wife would probably be a little upset. Yeah, but. you should probably get an angry wife at the door. Mm-hmm.